Welcome to Sorry Not Sorry. Uh, it's February 5th, 2021. So today we'll be talking about Joe Biden preaching unity, but his actions telling a different story as the Senate's moving forward with impeachment. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about the first week, the Biden administration, the private market uh, being more effective at redistributing wealth than the Democrats. And we're just going to be talking about Biden's executive actions on uh, the border as well. So I want to begin with this clip of Rand Paul because he proposed a point of order before Congress that uh, the impeachment trial was unconstitutional. That point of order got 45 votes signaling that a conviction is unlikely. If 45 people vote that the trial itself is unconstitutional, then it's likely that they're not going to get 66 votes to convict. But this clip, this audio clip, exemplifies the leadership that the Republican Party needs going forward and the kind of a backbone that Republican voters are looking for in the absence of President Trump. So let's take a listen. Incited the reprehensible behavior and violence of January 6th when he said, I know everyone here will soon march to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically, hardly words of violence. But what of Democrat words? What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will honestly ask whether Bernie Sanders incited the shooter that nearly killed Steve Scalise and volunteer coach. The shooter nearly pulled off a massacre. I was there because he fervently believed the false and inflammatory rhetoric spewed by Bernie and other Democrats such as the Republican health care plan for the uninsured is that you die. As this avowed Bernie supporter shot Steve Scalise, nearly killing him, and shot one of our coaches and two or three of our staff, he screamed, this is for health care. Ask me or anyone if that's incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Cory Booker incited violence when he called for his supporters to get, get up in their face of Congress people, a very visual and specific incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence when she literally told her supporters, and I quote, that if you see a member of the Trump administration at a restaurant, at an apartment store, at a gas station, or any place, you create a crowd and you push back on them. Is that not incitement? My wife and I were pushed and surrounded and screamed at by this same type of mob that Maxine likes to inspire. It's terrifying to have a swarm of people threatening to kill you, cursing at you and literally holding you hostage until police come to your rescue. That night we were assaulted by the crowd. I wasn't sure if we'd survive even with the police protection. But no Democrat has ever considered impeaching Maxine for her violent rhetoric. In fact, Republicans, to our credit, have never once thought it legitimate to formally censor or impeach these Democrats. No Republican has sought to use the government to hold these Democrats responsible for Antifa and Black Lives Matter violence that has consumed our cities all summer resulting in over a billion dollars of destruction, looting, and property damage. Not one Republican said, oh, let's impeach the Democrats who are inciting this, because it would be ridiculous. Many on the Democrat side of the aisle cheered them on. Kamala Harris famously offered to pay the bill for those who were arrested. I wonder if she'll be brought up on charges of inciting violence. 
for that now that she's vice president. Should Kamala Harris be impeached for offering to pay for violent people to get out of jail who've been burning our cities down? No. And no Republican has offered that because we're not going down the road that Democrats have decided, this low road of impeaching people for political speech. Should Republicans impeach the Democrat mayor of Seattle, who incited and condoned violence by calling the armed takeover of part of her city a summer of love? Any Republicans try to impeach her? On June 8th, the New York Post, citing U.S. Justice Department statistics, reported that more than 700 law enforcement officers were injured during the Antifa Black Lives Matter riots. There were at least 19 murders, including 77-year-old retired police officer David Dorn. Yet Democrats insist on applying a test of incitement to a Republican that they refuse to apply to themselves. Okay, so I know it was a long clip, but I think it's just... It, it speaks for itself. Like, if Democrats want to impeach somebody for their words, then that sets a dangerous precedent, and it violates the First Amendment of the Constitution, which guarantees right to free speech. Furthermore, various courts, including the Supreme Court, have already decided in various other cases that words do not meet a legal standard for incitement of violence. Additionally, if Democrats want to impeach a former president for his words that they claim incite violence, there's a conflict in those words, because Trump said in his speech on the 6th that they were going to march peacefully and patriotically. Therefore, those words will be used as a counter to any words Democrats claim incite violence. And I would like to point out that on January 6th, it's the big day that they claim that Trump incited violence. They're like, January 6th, in his speech, he incited people to march to the Capitol. But I want to point out that people were already marching to the Capitol before Trump even spoke, number one. Number two, in Trump's speech, he literally said, march peacefully and patriotically to make your voices heard. His speech was about supporting the GOP senators who were going to vote to contest the election. And... He was hoping that if other GOP senators looked out and they saw a group of Make America Great Again people numbered in the hundreds of thousands or even millions, that uh, the other GOP senators would gain the fortitude to vote to contest the election as well. So he was trying to support the people who were contesting the election and give people the fortitude to contest it who weren't going to. He never once mentioned violence. He never actually said for his supporters to go commit violence. Um, you know... In short, what we're looking at here is almost an impossibility that Mr. Trump is convicted. Like, there's a slim chance that people like Mitt Romney and Ben Sass could help push Democrats over 50 votes needed uh, to prevent Trump from ever holding office again. But barring a Biden, pardon from Biden on that matter, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, the impeachment is more about the Democrats being scared. They know Mr. Trump plans to come back in some form or fashion. They know that he intends to run again, probably. And they know that without the pandemic, with America likely to get tired of losing again, and with their radical nominee, most radical nominee ever in Harris, which she'll be the nominee in 2024 because I do not think Biden's going to be a two-termer, this will set the stage once more for Trump to break through and take back the Oval Office if he wanted to. They are afraid of losing their power. That's why they move forward with impeachment. They don't give a damn about violence. Like, you heard from Senator Rand Paul earlier. They love violence. They openly call for it, incite it, and support it. Hell, even Biden, when after Biden was inaugurated, Antifa still committed mass violence in Oregon. They tore up the Democratic Party HQ and said, we don't want Biden, we want revenge. Biden is, of course, silent on all of this because he secretly does not support impeachment. I believe Biden legitimately wants unity for America. I truly do. I don't agree with him on a lot, but I just know that his puppet masters and his party have a different direction and he dare not contradict them. Speaking of Biden, the president preached unity in his inaugural. 
But his party's struggle is signaling that they believe unity to be the expulsion of anyone who disagrees with them, and definitely anyone who voted for Trump. Like, the impeachment trials are not only the Democrats attempting to convict Trump, but they're they're attempting to convict all 73 million plus who voted for him. Democrats want to put a stain on every American who supported MAGA and let them know you are not welcome in America. It's about suppressing the opposition political party through strength and consolidation of power, aka the literal definition of fascism. It's not just the impeachment. Democrats' fascism and quest to divide America is apparent in their attempts to remove the filibuster, which thank God two Democrats have stood up and said no to ending it. One of them is Joe Manchin, the most respectable person in the United States Senate at the moment. It's apparent, though, in their push for the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions as well, that are going to be run by congressional leftists to remove Trump's legacy and anything that they deem false from public record in history, the Democrats backing of the Lincoln Project, which, boy, uh, the Lincoln Project's falling apart, and other groups that want to punish and cancel anyone who supported or worked for President Trump. By the way, I want to add a footnote about the Lincoln Project. We learned that their leader, I'm pretty sure, uh, Weaver, is a pedophile. So, yeah, and many, with apparently Karl Rove and others are saying it's the worst-kept secret in Washington, uh, that the Lincoln Project was used to basically funnel little kids to Weaver, little boys to John Weaver, and um, nobody cared. People on the left and right knew it, and nobody cared. And people who worked for the Lincoln Project knew, despite saying over and over they didn't know. Um, so I hope that the federal government goes after and prosecutes the Lincoln Project to the fullest extent. But the liberal media, let's get back to this point. The liberal media is acting as an arm of the Democratic Party. They're pushing to get Fox News canceled and Newsmax, and they want them pulled off their CNN said as much openly. They said openly. Their Zucker said openly that he wanted to get Fox off the air. So these executives are also saying it in private too. Big Tech has parlor canceled still. Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow, has been banned for his support of Trump. So many others have had their socials banned and revoked because of their conservative values and exercising their constitutional right to free speech. People are being banned for stuff they never tweeted but said outside of Twitter, which is a further violation of the First Amendment. The definition of fascism is suppression of opposing views by force. That's literally the definition of fascism. That's what's happening with the left. We just laid all of it out, from the impeachment to suppression of conservative media, censorship of conservatives, truth commissions, calling for the destruction of the Trump legacy, anyone who supported him, removing statues and history you don't agree with, creating new definitions for Christianity by saying a Catholic who supports abortion and Joe Biden is the most religious president ever, and comparing him to the Pope. That is Nazism. That is fascism. The Democratic Party is signaling that unity to them means uniting around the idea that conservatism and Republican values are evil and pose a danger to society. Yeah, when it comes to people saying Joe Biden's a Catholic, that's like saying, I mean, that's not even the worst part. I know as a Catholic myself and Chris as well, it, when it comes to Catholicism, you cannot support abortion and still be a Catholic. I mean, that's just straight out. Another thing, you can't marry, I mean, I think Joe Biden married LGBT couples as a minister, and that's a big thing against the church as well. When it comes to Biden, his inaugural speech, I think he does want to come to unity. However, his party is full of it. His party does not want unity. They want power. Literally, um, Senate Majority Leader was like, let's win in January so we don't have to worry about them. So we don't have to worry about 
negotiating with them. We can just get to get the hell away from it and win time and time again. That's almost like the house. Hopefully in 2022, they'll lose the house, but they don't have to negotiate if they had a majority. Luckily, Joe Manson, respectable guy, we're able to have him be the, the one that's sane in the Democratic Party and be able to understand that despite all of the differences, he's able to comprehend, you know, he didn't want to fill the filibuster. Um, he doesn't want to get rid of the Electoral College, which I hope doesn't happen, or else that means Democrats will be president for as long as we live. Um, and just more than that, I mean, the Democratic Party doesn't want unity. They, they've said it time and time again, you know, they said in 2016, you know, when Trump won office, this election was fraud. 2020, okay, you know, Joe Biden won. But they were like, okay, there's no fraud there. I mean, there probably was. I'm going to accept that there wasn't intense fraud, but there probably was fraud. But they're like, you know, there wasn't any fraud to say that the election was a hoax. The election was a fraud. Sorry about that. And then... When it comes to SCOTUS, I know for a fact that, like Chris and I mentioned this week, the Supreme Court Justice was like, I'm not going to be in the impeachment trial. John Roberts. I don't see enough. John Robert. Yep. Thank you, Chris. He doesn't see a lot of evidence to see that it's worthy of impeachment. I know one of my most respected senators, Lindsey Graham, said this is going to cause more division. It's not going to cause unity. It's going to cause division. If any Republicans vote, it's going to be division. I know Trump, I don't know how credible this is, but I know people have said Trump wants to start his own party. And I can see a lot of Republican senators literally want to step away from the party, which I don't see it happening in a successful point of view, but I can see it happening as a sort of, you know, his Trump supporters, Republicans, you know, um, other people. I don't, I mean, I know Rand Paul mentioned this is going to cause more division than uni unity. And it's just, it's crazy when Democrats think that impeachment is going to cause unity. You know, I understand that things that could have been changed on on January 6th, but that does not mean that impeachment needs to happen. He's not even in office anymore. I know Hannity joked about this. Maybe we should look at impeaching Obama, but... That's not going to happen. You know, we're we're grown-ups. We're adults. We move on. And the, I think when it comes to the liberal media, they are literally an arm. You know, I watch, I watch more Fox News, you know, CNBC, some big guy in stock market. But when it comes to how CNBC is as well, you know, their, their money, you know, their financial firm. But they also try and mention, you know, Biden. Well, respectfully, they mentioned Biden because a lot of his things are going to ruin the, the financial markets. 
you know, I'm a big stock guy. I have stock in Apple. I have stock in other tech companies. I know Apple is more than likely going to, depending on how things go with Apple, it could be ruined in the future. Not the company in general, but I know with how people are. And I just, you know, Michael and Dell, people want to cancel Fox News. I mean, we, this is just one thing that differs Democrats from Republicans. Democrats have always said, you know, cancel Fox News, cancel all these people. We've never once said cancel CNN, cancel MSNBC, cancel NBC. You know, I used to be a big Today Show person. Uh, I don't watch them anymore. I don't even watch a lot of the news. I I look on Facebook now. Um, Sometimes I'll check Apple News. I mean, because it's a mixture. And just all the divisiveness, you know. Uh, But I think the Democratic Party, they, they don't want unity. Biden, I think, wants unity, respectfully. I think he wants unity, but I just don't think that the Democratic Party wants unity as well as we think that they want unity. And I hope unity can come in the future. I will welcome it with open arms, but I just don't see unity happening in the future anytime soon with how the Democratic Party is running, with how they have been acting, with how everything has been going. But I'm, I'm very confident. I'm, well, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic, but my hope is that with how the future goes, we will be more uh, put come come together, and then the whole impeachment can go away. And we'll mention in a podcast later, hopefully next week or a week before that, 2022 and 2024. Um, we'll have a lot of news on that. Um, Chris and I will de- will not debate. We'll discuss. Um, how everything will go, and we will see what goes on with there. But hopefully 2024 and 2022 are more unity with everyone. Um, But, yeah, that's my view on it. Yeah, and to your point, we can't really have unity when the media and the Democrats, they they jump on every story, no matter if it's false or not, as long as it's bad against conservatives. Like, and they don't call out Democrats when they're wrong. Like, the standard of factual proof on either side is so low. I made actually a TikTok about this, where I say, like, if you are as a Republican, say something factual, like Joe Biden removed an executive order and is raising prices of insulin, they will all be up against you. Like, where's your facts? Provide the facts. Provide the proof. Facts are important. Fine. That's good. You should be required to provide facts when you make a claim. But if a Democrat says something like AOC falsely said that she was in the Capitol on the January 6th riot and was hiding in her bathroom and made up a whole story about it and how it brought up some sexual trauma from her past and made up a whole story about it, uh, the media jumps on it just like they did with Jesse Smollett, because it makes Trump supporters and it makes Republicans look bad. And we find out later, AOC wasn't even in the Capitol building. She was nowhere near her office during the riots, during the siege. And so the standard of fact on both sides is so different that it's impossible to have unity until we can reconcile and say both sides are equal in everything, including uh, what's true and what's not true, equal in how they're criticized, equal in how they're appraised. Um, 
But speaking of actions, we are going to be Joe Biden's first week in office. Well, almost two weeks now. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, over two weeks. Uh, he's brought slaps to the face of all the moderates and conservatives who voted for him thinking he would govern as such. Like, let's recap it. Like, he's cut off the Keystone Pipeline, costing thousands of American and Canadian jobs. I wonder why. Oh, yeah, because Warren Buffett's going to be in charge of shipping all that oil um, from the pipeline. And he donated millions to Biden's campaign. So he has to um, make good on that donation. So that way his buddy and pal can make more money. And that's going to cost a lot of jobs, as I just said. He imposed more regulations on fracking and energy production. Like, that combined with the end of the pipeline is going to raise gas prices by a lot. Like, he signed an executive order making it easier to impose regulations on businesses, which, by the way, is not good during a pandemic. You don't need more regulations. He left the National Guard to sleep on cement floors in sub-40-degree weather, let the Senate senators, Senate Democrats, kick them out of the Senate cafeteria and throw them on the freaking cement garage floor with one charger cord. He revoked Trump's travel ban, and then he imposed his own travel ban on other countries, despite calling Trump a xenophobe and racist for doing the same thing. He said, oh, U.S. tax dollars, we're going to use those to fund abortions overseas. Don't know why. Catholic wouldn't do that thing. He tried to halt deportations immediately for 100 days, which Texas, thank God for Texas, they struck it down and they said that's unconstitutional. Now deportations are resuming. He cut funding for the border wall, which cost more jobs and other immigration enforcement, making our country less safe and threatening national security. He revoked a Trump order that cut prices of insulin, told America he can't do anything to change the trajectory of COVID that is only going to get worse despite being elected based on his plan to get COVID under control. Remember, he said, uh, October, he tweeted out, he said, I am not going to crush you. I'm going to crush the virus. And then he said, Donald Trump doesn't have a plan for combating the virus. I do. He said that in October before the election. And now he's basically saying, we can't do anything to combat this virus. Uh, We're not going to be able to change the trajectory. More people are going to die. More people are going to get it. It's going to be worse than it's ever been. Then Fauci has admitted that one mask is ineffective and that you apparently need two or three. Uh, Despite saying it's going to get worse. Biden said it's going to get worse. Liberals are starting to open their schools, businesses, and states. Despite saying prior to the election that doing so is unsafe and would make you a murderer. But now the election's over. They can be looking like the ones who liberated America, despite Trump literally calling for that months ago when the vaccines first came out. He reassigned military convoys to Syria and elsewhere, which is being seen as an act of aggression. And people are calling it an invasion of Syria. China has increased military activity at sea. North Korea is calling for an uninterrupted path to nuclear warfare. Iran thinks it can get Biden to send them more cash. Antifa raided the Democrat Party HQ, as we mentioned earlier, saying they don't want Biden. They want revenge. And Biden wasn't called to condemn them like Trump was called to condemn his supporters time and time again. And Trump was called to condemn white supremacists time and time again. And he did at every turn. But Biden said Antifa is an idea, not an organization. And Antifa goes and they commit mass acts of violence. And they'd face federal monuments, federal statues, federal courthouses, police stations they kill people biden hasn't been called to condemn any of them he signed a mask mandate on federal property that him and his employees routinely break he actually broke it two hours literally after signing it he revoked the bathroom orders so men who identify as a woman can use the women's bathroom and play women's sports now he rejoined the job killing paris accords during a pandemic when business is already struggling he wants this was actually an article that i read the other day i think in the new york post he wants to form a commission on supreme court reform well, he said, he said during the election, I'm not going to give you my answer and pack in the court. Guess we have his answer. He's going to try to do it. He pers- He's pursuing impeachment of a president who is no longer in office. He was announced 
that his campaign was fueled by $145 million in anonymous cash, according to Fox News and other reports. He reinstituted the Non-Affordable Care Act. He funded more abortions. He opened the borders, reinstituted the cages on the border. He literally reopened the facilities on the border that they caged kids in. And you know how Trump, it was like one of the biggest controversies of his presidency for separating and caging children. Well, he, he him and Obama built them. Him and Obama built those cages on the border and he just reopened all of them. He signed 40 plus executive orders despite saying, he literally said that, if you sign a lot of executive orders, you're a dictator. Well, Trump signed like three or four or five, I think, in his first week. I know it was less than 10. And Biden signed mm -hmm. 40 plus now. Uh, his administration is now saying that Iran is weeks away from getting nuclear weapons as well. Our foreign policy, our economy, our social life, every aspect of America is under siege. I made an analogy the other day when I was talking to Kenny. I said, America's like a Jenga tower. I said... We Trump handed Biden a relatively sturdy Jenga tower with a few pieces missing because Trump had some goofs ups, but he managed to make America sturdy and uh, and generally had good policy. And then all Biden had to do was not take any more blocks out of the Jenga tower. And Biden has removed dozens of blocks out of that Jenga tower now. So now any single block that Biden removes from now on could cause the whole tower to collapse uh, or it could not, depending on what block it is. But, like, if you voted for Joe Biden and you thought he would govern as a moderate or that his party and puppet masters would let him govern as a moderate, then you are mistaken. And I forgive you. Joe Biden is signaling not only a return to Obama-era loser policy that gave Republicans and co that gave Republicans Congress and the White House in 2016, but they're also going further left than that. They want to end the blue-collar worker. I don't know if it's about exercising their political agenda, punishing those who are blue-collar and voted for Trump, or just blissful ignorance. But it's clear that Joe Biden's first few weeks of policy is targeted at the Trump voter and blue-collar America more than anyone close to the middle or right. I want everyone to remember that under President Trump, we got into no more new wars. Gas prices were low. Economy was booming. Uh, Pre-pandemic, that is. And it would have been booming during the pandemic if all the states had listened to Trump and said, when he said, stay open. Allies and enemies were both paying us more than they ever had before. North Korea was essentially scared to death of Trump. They were scared to try anything. Not They 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 basically uh, halted their nuclear development. Instead of paying Iran money, we took out their general responsible for American debts. America, like, th that's just, it's just, like... A stark difference between Trump and Biden, Biden's presidencies, and I, I think that America is starting to realize. I, I think it was uh, the other day on Google trending search was regret voting Biden, and then I think hashtag regret Biden or something like that, something along the lines of regretting Biden was trending on Twitter the other day. People are waking up; they're regretting it. Leftists are regretting it because he's not as liberal as they thought he was going to be. But as they, but moderates and conservatives are regretting it because in their eyes, he's way more liberal than they thought he was going to be. Um, so Biden's not really in a good spot. And also during the first week of his presidency, he hit sub 50% approval rating, which even Trump in his first week of his presidency had over 50% approval. Um, so Biden's not really that liked of a president. And he's just going to stay quiet, read off a teleprompter and hand the keys to Kamala and hope and the Democrats are going to just hope that they have set such a system in place where people are going to be too scared to vote for conservatives. Yeah. So I have a quote from the, from a great Senator Ted Cruz from Texas. This relates to my, my personal anger as well as a lot of conservatives 
business, not really businessmen, but blue, blue collar workers and middle class. I will say, and this is related to the Keystone Pipeline um, elect, um, elect, uh, executive order. I will say it was disconcerting to see yesterday, the first day of Biden administration, straight out of the gate, President Biden announced that he was canceling the Keystone Pipeline. That is a major infrastructure, infrastructure, sorry about that. That is a project that right now today has 1,200 good paying union jobs. And in 2021, the Keystone Pipeline was scheduled to have more than 11,000 jobs, including 8,000 union jobs for contracts worth $1.6 billion. And with a stroke of a pen, President Biden had told those 11,000 workers, those union workers, your jobs are gone. And he said, uh, Mr. Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary, what do you say to those workers whose jobs have just been eliminated by you, President Edict? And that just explains my anger, explains my feelings towards this administration. President Biden is going to ruin the middle class. He's going to ruin blue-collar workers. He's going to ruin what President Trump has tried so hard to do, and that is to have the American dream come back alive. And, you know, like Chris and I mentioned, Trump handed Biden almost a great economy that if we didn't have the pandemic, it would have been great. All he, all Biden had to do was not do anything and just, I mean, he could have made a little bit of a mistake, but, you know, he removed, he had 40 freaking executive orders. That, I know Biden mentioned, you know, if he had done more i think when biden when trump was elected he said a president who does more than 10 executive orders i think close to that executive orders he's a dictator well biden just did it 40 executive orders and we don't have the liberal media saying oh he's a dictator and his administration is saying iran is weeks from getting a nuclear deal done and china which is in my opinion, Joe Biden's best friend is going to be saying, oh, we see weakness, which I think they already have. We have them having the National Guard respected people in the military and U.S. Army sleeping on the floor. I know I think a lot of senators were disgusted by this. He wants to form... He wants to pack the court when he said he didn't. He wants to be able to have military in Syria, which he, which Trump had a really good record of not starting wars. He, as a Catholic, as a Roman Catholic, gave money towards abortion, which... I have friends on Facebook that are Democrat and Catholic that are like, oh, you can be a Catholic and still support abortion. No, you can't. If you're Catholic, you agree that a baby is born at the moment of uh, the moment of conceive. 
of being conceived. Which, I agree with Chris. It's funded murder. He signed an executive order costing thousands of jobs. I said on Facebook to a lot of my friends who are Democrats, I've had to deal with them. They mentioned, I mentioned, President usually wants to create jobs. President Biden ruined jobs. Lastly, Joe Biden's first week of office is a, is a huge slap in the face, like I mentioned, to conservatives, middle-class workers, lower-class workers even. And is just saying, you know, I really don't care if, and I know there, if these jobs are temporary jobs, you know, we're going to have jobs for, um, you know, non-renewable uh, energy. When has that ever happened? I think I remember during Biden, uh, during Obama's presidency, they said that jobs were lost, but the, but, but the, forgive me, Obama administration said, you know, that's just going to happen. It's fine. It's not going to be a worry in the world. He opened more borders, gave help to refugees, which, on my personal opinion, before you help out refugees and illegal immigrants, why don't you help your own citizens? I mean, that is just, in my opinion, I don't see how that is even controversial at yeah. all. Didn't you say that? Uh, you, you if you want to help out your own citizens, be my guest. But helping out legal immigrants, refugees first, before you, business people. You said the other day on, on Facebook, you said, before you open the borders, you should open American businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I, did I say something wrong? Forgive me. No, I was just pointing out that long your point oh, okay. that, that okay. the other day you put on Facebook that... Uh, we should open American businesses before we open borders, which ties into what you were saying. Yeah, sorry about that. I thought I said something wrong. But like I said, I I think before you open up American businesses and even states in general, you have to... Well, sorry, sorry. Before you open borders, you need to open businesses as well as um, the states. Because I know a lot of people think this is just pure wrong. But I think the reason, the thing to get the economy growing is by opening the borders, not opening the borders, but opening the states, opening restaurants. And my personal opinion, for those who are from Michigan, 25% is not going to help restaurants. 50% opening didn't help restaurants. And I think our governor needs to open up and realize, needs to wake up and realize that 25%, it might help a little bit. But it's not going to help every restaurant. I'm going to try my hardest to support restaurants. You know, I'm going to go to my usual place downtown Portland, Wagon Wheel, and hopefully start supporting local again. Um, I've been supporting during the pandemic. I'm always going to support during the pandemic. Um, and to those people who are like, I'm going to stop supporting local just because they opened exposing themselves. You know, it, we... It's fine. We have other people who are going to support local. And I think if you regret voting for Biden, we welcome you on the conservative side in 2024 and 2022, of course. But um, my hope is that we can wake up and realize that 
this administration, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's going to cause me to get worried and worried and worried. And I hope we can get back to work and realize that this was a horrible mistake. I hope uh, I'm still giving, I'm not going to give up hope quite yet, but I'm slow to recover. Yeah. And I would also like to point out, because I've been having a lot of arguments with people about pro-life and abortion, that being pro-life doesn't mean you're not pro-choice. It actually doesn't. Like, uh, for instance, like, you, when you, uh, when you do the deed with your significant other, that's you making the choice. Like, it's your body, your choice. Yes, it is. But you made the choice when you did the deed. You knew what that action results in a child. So we're just saying you made your choice. You don't get to make a second choice to kill the baby. You made the choice to have it when you did the deed. That's being pro-choice, but it's also being pro-life. You can be pro-life and be pro-choice. I can say you don't have the right to abortion, but you have the right to choose whether or not you commit the act that results in that child. Um, it's just a footnote, but, um, you've probably heard by now, though, that a few Redditors and the internet have cost Wall Street and hedge fund billions by pumping stocks. <laughs> yeah, like, short, like, uh, big hedge funds shorted stocks, they wanted to push companies out of business, and then, essentially, Reddit said, let's pump these stocks up so they have to cover their short. GameStop, Nokia, AMC, all these stocks that were being massively short sold, like, it's estimated more than tens, I think it's hundreds of billions now, were redistributed from rich hedge funds to the little guy that was buying on Robinhood and other apps. Like, this yet again proves that the free market is more effective at redistributing wealth and helping people make money than Democrat policies have ever been. Like, think about it. More people have received more money from this, and there's been a larger redistribution of wealth from this than any Democrat policy. Ever. Um... Many of the new, many of the people making money off of this GameStop and robbing the rich blind are members of Gen Z. They're not realizing that their robbery, so to speak, would not be possible without the aid of the capitalism that they want to destroy. Like, I think that this, this thing is making a lot of people capitalists. Like, this story parallels conservative censorship that we see by big tech. Trump and his supporters break the mold, speak their mind, and they get silenced. The little guy breaks the mold, starts trading on the market freely, and accessing the same information about stocks that's available to the rich and they get their apps like Robinhood and others silenced. Robinhood said you can't trade these stocks on their app for a few days, and other apps are still restricting trade. Robinhood is still restricting trade to some of those stocks, and you can only buy a certain amount of them now. You, for a few days, you could even buy them at all. The fact is that the people telling you the system isn't rigged are the ones rigging the system. The big tech companies, Wall Street, media, the Democrats, they will all tell you it's not rigged, and you are delusional. While well, they remove you and those who think like you from their platforms. And while they limit your ability to make money and limit your ability to screw the rich. They say screw the rich and then they limit your ability to screw the rich. Because it's all about them keeping their power. They can't keep their power if the deed is done. Democrats, they always falsely claim. You know, they claim the party switched in terms of who supports racism. I believe no one supports racism and that the party switching in that sense is stupid. Um... I would argue that the parties have switched the past four years, though, in terms of who is the party of the worker and who is the party that enables redistribution of wealth and who is the party of the rich and wealthy. Think about it. The only people rushing to the defense of the hedge funds are Democrats like Elizabeth Warren and the Biden administration. Republicans like Ted Cruz and Don Jr. want investigations into the halting of the trading. Um, in fact, it's the Republican Party that enables redistribution of wealth. 
from the top 1%. In a free market like Republicans advocate, no one would have been halted from trading on GameStop and other companies. Everyone would be able to freely trade and access all of the information that's available. More rich people would have been screwed. It's the Republican Party who's opposed by corporations, media, big tech, and the top 1%. It's Republicans who are boycotted by them, who have ads run against them by these big corporations. It's Republicans who so adamantly slam the elite now. It's Republicans who are being censored and silenced. It, 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 it's the Democrats who are the party of big companies. And it's the Democrats who are the party of Hollywood. It's the Democrats who are the party of all the elites. Like, the fact is, during the last four years, we saw the Republican Party make a large connection with everyday American workers. Trump called them the forgotten man and woman. Democrats who so adamantly hate Trump and his voters, and they, they lumped all blue-collar Americans that they claimed to fight for into Trump supporter uh, category. And as they had no reason to fight for them anymore because they were Trump supporters, uh, they lumped all blue-collar Americans into Trump supporter camp, and then so they're opposed to any policy that would help those quote-unquote Trump supporters, even though many of that blue-collar people actually didn't vote for Trump. Um, so they went back to doing what all politicians do, being a servant to their big donors. Meanwhile, it's Republicans who are fighting to lower your tax rate and give you the ability to trade freely. It's Republicans who want a level playing field. They, like... We are seeing this switch be implemented in, into policy. Like companies that support blue collar jobs in the oil and gas industry are under attack. Meanwhile, what these attacks on blue collar and oil and gas do is they embolden the position of Silicon Valley and those in the elite who make electronic cars and solar panels. When Biden shuts down the Keystone pipeline and he attacks oil and gas, what do you think that's going to result in? It's going to result in all of the elites in Silicon Valley who are members of these companies that make electric cars and all this electric stuff being pumped up, and you saw Nancy Pelosi put millions of dollars into Tesla days before Biden was signing all these executive orders. Like, Democrats are pumping Silicon Valley up, and they're destroying and crushing the blue-collar gas, oil, and energy industry. Biden said he wasn't going to end fracking, and he still says it. He made a speech the other day saying it, but he clearly wants to end oil and fracking. We see Biden raise the prices of insulin, reinstitute Obamacare, which helps the elite in big pharma. All celebrities, executives, and big corporations donate to and openly support Democrats. Democrats bow to the rich and the elite, while Republicans advocate for competitors to come in and create competition and pricing and alternatives. While Republicans advocate your ability to freely trade against the big guys, and they advocate for freedom, they advocate for you. Democrats do the opposite. What a world we live in. It's four years ago. You might remember four years ago, Bernie Sanders was the only person who agreed with Trump that the system was rigged. They had vast disagreements about policy, but Bernie Sanders was fighting against the rich. He was fighting for the working class, and he still claims to, but obviously he doesn't because he has multiple mansions. He's a multimillionaire, and he takes full advantage of you and your taxpayer dollars. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, he's just using you for money. Um, mm -hmm. but think about it. Four years ago, Democrats were the party of you, the working American. Now they hate you. Now they openly use all these terms to brand you. Even if you don't support Trump and you're a blue-collar American, they hate you. They, they think you're a Trump supporter. They, they try to lump you into this group, and they try to say, we don't like you. We're going to implement any policy that uh, silences you and uh, helps our buddies who donated millions to us. Like, that's it's just what a world we live in. Like, who would have thought four years ago that this would be the end result? I think... I don't have a lot of information on this. I'm, Chris knows a lot more than I do about uh, Reddit and Reddit and Wall Street, but uh, I think personally, um, seeing um, 
all these guys, all these um, stock owners coming together to fight for something. It's just amazing. You know, I know on Twitter, John Jr., Ted Cruz, AOC, even AOC, most, the most crate, not crate, I'm going to say crazy, the most craziest Democrat, AOC, was agreeing with Don Jr. and and Ted Cruz saying that the whole thing is rigged. Not everything that they agree is rigged, but the whole thing about Reddit and the stock market. And I think the reason they would not want to work together is because of the party. You know, uh, the last four years, we have literally seen the Republican Party being everyday worker, blue-collar worker, middle class, lower class, and the Democrat Party being the higher class, you know. It used to be the Republican Party being the higher class, you know. Ronald Reagan was a billionaire, and he was he was very popular with even Democrats, you know, California, which is now a big Democrat, you know, a lot, even like a lot of news networks. Oh, you know, Calif- like California probably won't be won by a Republican in the next couple of years, but it might, you know, because of how crazy everything's going. We'll mention in a segment the next few weeks or so about Governor, Governor Newsom, Gavin Newsom, about being recalled in his own state, which is mainly Democrat. Sorry for getting off topic there, but. You know, the whole thing, you know, Biden said he would be for the everyday man. That was a complete lie. You know, I know people who need insulin and everything else, drug prices. I know Trump literally saying, reelect me because the whole thing about lowering drug prices by, I think, 80% or so would not be happening if it was a Democrat. Because they don't care about you. We've said time and time again, Democrats don't care about you. Um, and I think one of the things to realize is um, when it comes to the whole thing about people saying, oh, Democrats care, they've cared. No, I don't see that. Hmm? What what were you saying, Chris? Oh, I was just saying, it's breaking, I'm seeing on Twitter everywhere that Lou Dobbs' show has been canceled on Fox News. Uh, I don't really know why. I'm going to try to find out more. Um, but uh, my guess has to do with him pushing election conspiracies. Um, okay. But okay. Trump Trump responded to that. He has said that Lou Dobbs is and was great. Nobody loves America more than Lou. He had a large and loyal following that will be watching closely for his next move, and that following includes me. Um, wow. Dobbs is 75 years old. He is still under contract at Fox, reportedly, but he's not going to appear on the networks uh, again, according to this article I'm reading. Um Megyn Kelly was on Fox News, it, right? Yeah, it, it's a yeah, but I think the test route this relates to a Smartmatic, a voting company that is filing a two point seven billion defamation lawsuit against uh, Lou Dobbs, Maria Bartiromo, and Janine Pirro. Uh, it probably has to do with that. Uh, the comp, um, but the people it says people 
familiar with discussions say the decision to end Dobbs program was under consideration before the legal issues with Smartmatic arose. Fox News said it stands by its 2020 election coverage and will defend the this meritless lawsuit in court. Uh, they say, as we said in October, Fox News Media regularly considers programming changes and plans have been in place to launch new formats as appropriate post-election, including on Fox Business. This is part of those planned changes. A new 5 p.m. program will be announced in the near future. My question is why? Like, people are, Trump voters were already leaving Fox News, like, for news max, mass, in mass droves. There was only, like, three or four programs that Trump supporters watch on Fox News, and that was Blue Dobbs. Number one, number two was it was Tucker Carlson, Hannity, mm. no particular order. I'm just listing them. Yeah, and Laura yeah. Ingram. Um, those were the most highly rated I'm, shows, the most Trump viewer watched shows, and all this is going to do is push more people away from Fox News. Like, I don't really get it. Like, I get you want to shake up your lineup, and I get that Dobbs is old, and maybe you're going to get another pro-Trump host in there, but you you better because for, for the future of your network, unless you're trying not to get canceled, and that's what this is all about. Um, you're, you're just, and unless you're trying not to lose your advertising, maybe they're being threatened and boycotted behind the scenes by advertisers, I guess. That's, that's the only I mean, explanation I can think of why they would do this. I mean, I mean, I know Newsmax is an up and coming. I know a lot of people in Portland who say, you know, Newsmax is an up and coming. They wish more people could get it, of course. I know only, I think a couple networks cover Fubo, but not Fubo. Football covers Newsmax, but I know a lot of um, people were going to Newsmax because they say Fox News isn't as conservative anymore. Yeah. Well, um, so what this is saying is that Dobbs had three hundred thousand viewers a night, um, the largest audience apparently on any business news channel for the uh, time block. Mm. But um, what they're saying is that Fox. This article. Uh, and the LA Times is saying that Fox was losing out on so much advertising money from that slot because nobody would advertise for Dobbs' show uh, that they had mm. no choice. So basically, it's cancel culture, media matters, and these stupid pieces of shit who want to take people they disagree with off the air. Um, and they do that by boycotting advertising like they did with Bill O'Reilly, starting the false like sexual harassment allegations into him that they never pursued after O'Reilly got taken off air. Uh, like, it's just part of... Part of them wanting to consolidate power. Yeah, I think when it comes to, I only watch three: um, Laura Ingram, uh, Sean Hannity, and Tucker. Uh, I'll mention in twenty twenty. I'll mention in the next couple of podcasts if we do the segment twenty twenty two and twenty twenty four election. I think one of the people, and I, this is going to be a big one for just a big agreement. Uh, I know Chris and I mentioned this. Tucker Carlson as a potential person for 2024. Um, of course, he doesn't have political experience, so we'd have to have someone big in politics and president. I, but, I, I, think, I think Tucker Carlson would make a good press secretary. Yeah, that, that's in a my good opinion, idea. He, he, he doesn't have a lot of experience in policymaking, but he'd be really good to go up against the media and opponents of conservatism every day, day in and day out on a national platform. Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing to mention as well, the current press secretary for Biden. Oh, we'll circle, circle back, lady. Yeah, we'll we'll circle back on that. I mean, Kayleigh McInerney never said that. She was very honest. She was very open. I mean, she was one of the best. I mean, 
she's never she never said we'll circle back on that. She never said you know we'll let you know when we know. Uh, just, well, she she did, but it was when she legitimately didn't know something, not when she didn't take yeah. the time to research it, or she didn't do her fucking job, or when she just didn't want to answer a tough question. Mm-hmm. It was like she think, only said it when she legitimately didn't know the answer. I mean, I think my favorite press secretary under Trump was uh Spicer. I forget her name. Uh, Sean Spicer was an interesting one. I would say my favorite would be the second. Uh she's on Fox News. She she's Huckab- running for governor of Arkansas. Which I think she'll do very well. Um, she, already, she already got we, Trump's endorsement, obviously. Uh, and oh, her, of course. Her, her father she used to be the governor well of Arkansas. With... Mike Huckabee. Yeah, uh, Mike Huckabee, who's on Fox News a lot. Um, I know uh, he's... I don't... He's usually... I know with Hannity, it's usually Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham. Um, I, don't, I see Rand Paul every now and then. Um, but I know Rand is usually on Twitter, which I, I, I support Rand Paul. I think he, I don't like Chris and I mentioned, I think he'd make a really great, uh, sonority, uh, majority leader for Senate. Um, if Ted Cruz ever did VP under Pence, um, but we have more, we have a bigger segment in the next couple of weeks with the 2022-24 segment the 2022-2024 election, that will definitely be huge. It will be huge because we just, that's a big 2022. Well, tying into 2022, I don't want to interrupt, but I'm reading a breaking news article that okay. from Bloomberg is that New York Republican wins the last undecided race from November in New York. So the Democrat majority in the Senate or in the House of Representatives, sorry, is only five seats now. Uh, it was eight mm-hmm. after the November third election, so we've gained three seats since the November third election in the House of Representatives. So interesting. Republicans literally just have to look for the Republicans control almost every major state legislature, every major governorship. So they're going to be able to draw the district lines for twenty twenty two. They're going to be able to. So Republicans are going to have to get McCarthy did a good job of having a ground game in twenty uh twenty twenty. So. Uh, they need to have a better ground game. They need to have a kind of ground game that Stacey Abrams had in Georgia. They need to have that on a national scale. Uh, and if they take back the House of Representatives, um, then that will be huge. Even if they're not able to take back the Senate. I think that holding one chamber of Congress, especially one that's in charge of creating laws, like the House of Representatives, is huge. And um, yeah, and I think it will blunt the impact of the last two years of a Biden presidency. And I think one of the things to realize as well, Michigan is going to be a big one. I've, I think, I think Peter Meyer's seat's going back to Democrats. I think there's going to be too much division on that. I think there will. Uh, I was watching the, the, um, what's it called when he has like people from his congressional district. Uh, Uh, It's like a town hall. Town hall. He had a town hall a couple of days ago. I was working on home, decided to watch it because I'm pretty torn. I'm ashamed. Uh, I regret voting for him. And he had the, his first two people say, I'm ashamed of what you did. I think you voting for his impeachment was saying he really didn't care. Um, he, he, I think he look, could have looked at different information. Because um, like Chris mentioned in the first segment, he 
mentioned the reason why he voted for his impeachment was because he mentioned that uh, June, not January 6th was a big event that's well, going to happen. Peter Meyer fell into the trap that I fell into initially after the Capitol riots, which is just believing everything that the media tells you about it. And um, yeah. I guess I can't understand, you know, I, I, I guess if playing devil's advocate, I well, first off, I want to say I totally disagree with Meyer voting for impeachment. Personally, I disagree mm-hmm. with it and I hate it. But, yep. like, I could understand how you would vote to impeach him if you are in the Capitol at your job and you look out and you see all these people saying hateful things about you and threatening mm-hmm. your life. Like, I could understand how that would, like, be like, oh, and you would blame the Trump for that. When in reality, though, you have to do your job and step back and look at the facts objectively. And you have to see that this riot was planned weeks in advance on Twitter by people not related to Trump. CNN, Chris Cuomo the other night, even reported this himself. He said eight people that were arrested in the Capitol Hill siege who did not vote and had no relation or any uh, connections to Trump or his campaign. And they did not vote in 2020. So you have to step back and realize that there was a lot of bad actors in this crowd. There was a lot of Trump supporters who were trying to stop people from breaching the Capitol. Um, and there there was a lot of, there was, there was only a couple hundred people, as bad as it sounds, and I hate the Capitol siege. And I think everybody who sieged yeah. the Capitol should be like charged with domestic terrorism and be locked up forever. Um, there was only a couple hundred people out of like hundreds of thousands. And mm-hmm. the fact that the D.C. mayor couldn't do her fucking job and get security in there, the fact that she refused the National Guard initially when it was offered to her, and the fact that um, we did not have more strict security around our Capitol building was kind of um, concerning. And I just think that uh, I could understand how Peter Meyer would want to vote for it, but I also would expect that as a member of Congress that he would do his job and step back and actually look at the facts. Yeah, I think Peter Meyer, I know a lot of his constituents, and I don't know. It's definitely going to be a toss-up, but I think his because could decide the whole balance of power of the House of Representatives. Yeah, I think because Peter Meyer, he, the 3rd Congressional District is mainly Republican. It used to be mainly Republican. I know a lot of Democrats voted for Meyer because he wanted to be bipartisan. And... um. When it came to, and I think the big thing is the Democrats chose a very horrible nominee for the third congressional district. They didn't even have a challenger in the third congressional district for Democrat. It was just one person. Um, And I know Peter Meyer already has competition from Tom Norton was third place. uh, Actually second to last place. I do believe sadly. Um, or I think that was Lynn Afanulis. But I think, honestly, when it comes to someone who could be a third congressional district person, and I know Chris and I have sort of not agreed with this, but I think Julie Kelly might be a good idea because I think her thing ends uh, in 2022. I don't disagree. I just think that she's a career politician and that I don't think a lot of Trump voters are going to want to vote for a career politician. Yeah. Like, I understand and, that you, you know her and she's probably a good person and I would probably vote for her. I'm just looking at, like, practicality. Yeah, and I think, I know uh, Lynn Affendulis has been an option. Uh, She ran. Uh, Tom Norton ran. Well, I know that it's going to be a huge priority of the party to apparently primary everybody who's voting for impeachment and everybody who never supported Trump, all the never-Trumper Republicans, apparently. Mm -hmm. There's a huge movement with Trump and and the party to primary uh, all the Republicans who didn't support him. Uh, 
Trump met with McCarthy the other week and he said that he's not creating another party and that he wants to help. Okay. He, he, well, he said he, he's not looking at it right now. Uh, yeah. He, he said, wants, but to, he wants help. to help with them take back the house in 2022 and then see what he can do in 2024. Um, yep. I remember. But that. I would just yep. say I'm reading an article right now about the seat that was just won by Republicans in New York. Um, okay. And the article actually states that there was a three-month legal battle over the seat. Ironic, right? Because Democrats believe that our elections are secure, but yet mm-hmm. they challenged all. They challenged three of the Republicans' one House seats in the election. You don't see the media saying the Democrats don't believe in the election or in the integrity of the election. Uh, they challenged three House seats in court. Democrats did, um, and I would just point out that that's a little bit hypocritical. Uh, of their party for saying that our election system is completely secure and then challenging three elections. Um, but I would say that Republicans, if you want to look at a blueprint of something that works, um, then uh, uh, you need to add more women and more minorities to your party. We In 2020, we had the most diverse selection of candidates that we've ever had in terms of women and minority candidates, and it paid off. We gained a lot of seats. So I think Republicans are learning that expanding your tent your party tent and reaching out to demographics that you have neglected is a good thing. And I think that Republicans are becoming more diversified and I think that's a good thing. And I think Republicans should continue to look for more diverse candidates and more diverse backgrounds. One idea I have, and I know Chris and I sort of, I think we sort of didn't really see eye to eye on it, but what about Nikki Haley for Senate? I think she was a governor. She would probably win. just she, she during the she's one of those people who only switched to being a Trump supporter when it was politically convenient and then stabs him in the back or in the 2016 election she said a bunch of god awful things about Trump and then mm-hmm. she still did after the election and then she suddenly converted to a Trump supporter when she was offered a high political position and then the second she got out of office she started going back to slamming Trump I see I mean, her th- as a career politician who doesn't really care about anyone but advancing her political ambitions I mean, um, I know, yeah, I was gonna mention Lindsey Graham, but I know he's pretty supportive now. I know in the in the beginning he wasn't because um, I know I think Graham was attacked pretty well by Trump during the non, during the primaries, but I think um, I can't think of other people that could run for Senate. I think potentially Haley, um, but I mean she would definitely if we had good candidates i think ben and, carson would win if he wanted to run oh ben yeah. carson was a great I don't, know what, um, I don't know what state he resides in but um i think uh, i think it was new mexico he, he would well new mexico is kind of a moderate state they tend to lean blue but i think he would win um, let me quickly check um he is from uh well it says he was born in detroit um, which Detroit is very democratic, um, as we've realized. Um, well, Ben Carson, I it it it, says it looks like that he has a West Palm Beach home over Florida. Florida is a big one. Um. Oh, but it he, says he, he was has a, he has a home that's worth seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Oh wait, he put his home up for sale in West Palm Beach. That's one point two million dollars. 
Oh, okay. Well, he, is, he was a surgeon, so. Yeah, I know he was a surgeon in Michigan. And he had, a, he had um, book deals, too, and stuff. So Yeah, my counselor, I think, mentioned that Ben Carson operated on one of her siblings and was a great guy. I, I loved Ben Carson. I felt bad for him during the primary because when he was like, can somebody attack me, please? Because he, he fought on morals. Yeah, he you had know, a lot he to was... say. He just he had a lot to say, and he's a very smart person. He just doesn't. He's not an effective communicator in terms of uh, asserting what he's thinking yeah. into words, and he's too polite to a fault sometimes. I know. Um, Chris and I mentioned potentially Mike um, Lindell wants to run for politics. Um, yeah, Candace Owens said she's gonna. She she said a few months ago that she's gonna run against a Democrat as long as she doesn't have to primary an existing Republican. I don't know what state she lives in, but uh, I think she's looking to move to a state and declare residency there over the next few years, uh, so she yeah. can run against a Democrat. Uh, and Candace Owens probably someone who in the next ten to twelve years is gonna look to have broad political ambitions in terms of Congress and the presidency. Um. She might be a little young right now, which is why I think she's doing good starting in Congress. And then she can run in eight, four to eight years uh, after the 2024 elections uh, on a presidential scale. She has a very mm-hmm. effective young audience, kind of like Ben Shapiro. And I think she'll yeah. do good for bringing in young people to the Republican Party because young people are one of the only demographics where the Republican Party struggles in. Sorry about that. Yeah, I think our last person we could discuss about is um yeah, I forgot. Um the person from the Democrat side of Hawaii. Um who was it? Uh Ted Lou? No, um she ran for president, but she dropped out really early. Tulsi Gabbard? Tulsi Gabbard, she's, I she, think, very... She, she's reportedly wanted to join the Libertarian Party. I know Justin Amash joined the Libertarian, apart, Liber, Libertarian Party. I think the Libertarian Party is looking to rebrand as, like, a unity party, like a multi, like a multi-opinionated party with, like, people on both sides who just have fed up with the two-party system and how they're yeah. using their power. Because um, I know a Gabbard's big person, out, outspoken like you were, you were trying to say, she's been an outspoken critic of big tech and uh, conservative censor, censorship of conservatives, and she's been a critic of Democrat candidates for a long while. Because wasn't Tulsi Gabbard one of those people who joined Kamala Harris against Biden for his sexual assault allegation? Yeah, but she also she also had probably the largest takedown of Kamala Harris on the debate stage as well. Uh, she basically fought Kamala Harris for Joe Biden. She single-handedly took Kamala Harris out of the presidential race, technically. Interesting, which could be a big uh, challenger for 2022. If she, I think she was a House representative, so I don't know how much of a big change that's going to be. I think, I don't know, we're, we're, we'll do more research in like segment of the, on the next podcast, but I think... It was a Democrat who won her seat, so she could run as a Republican and potentially win. But I know most people do a party system and won't vote for uh, Tulsi just because she switched parties. Because I know that's one thing Justin Amash, I think, realized is that the Republicans who are very loyal to him 
after switching to libertarian was not going to vote for him because he switched parties pretty much because he I think he was not very satisfied with how Trump was doing things. Um, but I know Amash, I was very disappointed with him and how he did everything. Um, but I know one of the biggest things we need to realize is uh, I think personally, big thing is Peter Meyer, I don't think will do very well as he did in 2020. Well, he admitted it. He said he's literally said that he might have ended his own political career. Yeah. Yeah, I think honestly, though, he started out really small as a um, house rep. I know Trump went from, I think, political donor to president, which he did very well. I'm going to admit um, he did very well as president, but I think Peter Meyer, just his vote for impeachment was was a killer. You know, he really killed his own campaign, not his campaign, but his part, his political camp, his political career, because voting against the president that when he did the whole town halls for Republican nominee, he said he was going to stand with Trump. And then when he said, I'm going to vote for the impeachment, a lot of Republicans were like, dude, you literally are Justin Amash 2.0. Cause Justin Amash, I think voted for the impeachment and that sort of killed his chances with Republicans in the future. Um, also, another interesting thing before we go is that uh, Matt Gates, Republican from Florida, who said, well, he said first that he 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 would give up his house seat if he had to to represent Trump in the impeachment trial. But that's not what I'm talking about. He 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 mm-hmm. introduced like a rule change to the committees that would require them to say the Pledge of Allegiance before every committee meeting, and uh, yep. every Democrat voted against it. Yeah, that's disappointing. Because yeah. I I think I think the the pledge is something you need to say, you know I said it. In oh yeah, why high would they school. have such a problem saying it if they literally swore an oath to the Constitution? Then you shouldn't have a problem with oh, yeah. that oath every day with the pledge of allegiance. Because because I know when I was when Chris and I went to high school together, we said the pledge every morning. I mean like, I don't know if you're if you're offended by the pledge of allegiance. What's next? Not not having. Not having new congressional representatives swear in on the Constitution and on the Bible, like not having them swear an oath to protect America, like what's next? Like if you're offended by the Pledge of Allegiance, then you would surely be offended by um, swearing an oath to the Constitution because that's literally what the Pledge of Allegiance is. Like, yeah, this just has multiple implications, and it's just another instance of Democrat stupidity, like uh, when they said "Amen" and "A woman." Yeah, that I think we did a segment. We were going to do a segment on that. Yeah, the January sixth happened. Yeah, and I remember there's a meme. This is a funny meme. I'm gonna have to tell it to our audience. It's Michael Bolton. He does the when a man when a man loves a woman, like a like when they introduced a woman instead of a man, a woman. (laughs) When a man loves a woman, I just that was funny because I I love eighties. I think that's an eighties song. Forgive me, but I just love it because it was funny and just great it's it was funny but um that was a good segment uh i think this is something we wanted to test out was doing back and forth um, yeah i think it works better it works great because we um the whole uh but coming back to the redditors taking on wall street and then we'll come back to the end but um 
Chris no like like I have to give credit. Chris knows a lot about like the whole Reddit and Wall Street. I only know a little bit. And so Chris was very good on explaining it, which I want to give credit as well because um this week was definitely a struggle. Um because the weather yesterday, uh Chris driving back. I think we were we weren't looking at filming yesterday, but um I know I was a little concerned with how the roads were. Please stay safe. Um I know Well yeah, one of the big the podcast is going to become a little bit more sporadic during the school semester. Uh, oh, yeah. You might see some episodes where only one of us is hosting. Um, yep. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's basically what we're trying to say is that uh, during the semester, during the summer and during, like, the breaks, we'll do, like, on schedule. But, like, during the yep. semester, we have college, we have jobs and stuff that we're working towards. So those come first as much as we love doing the podcast. But we'll definitely have our notes. You know, I'll send my notes and then he can put them in. But, you know, we're definitely going to want to be together towards the 2022 and 24 discussion because that one we just want to get a lot of outspoken notes to because um, we need to get our country back. You know, I'm very nervous with how our country is currently. You know, I remember I mentioned time and time again, we are very worried about our future of our country and we just need to get back into control and. Uh, I know people didn't like Trump because of what he said and what he, but he did a lot for our country. You know, he cared about our country. He fought for our country and Biden's just giving it all away. So. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good point to end on. Uh, actually, our 13 minutes is the longest episode yet. So that was good. Um, yeah. We'll try to be on time next week. Um, stay up to date. Follow us on all the socials on all the pod, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, sorry, not sorry. Um, we will see you when we see you. Uh, thanks for listening.